Here's Charlene Steinkamp. Okay, let me do my first question. My husband says he only cares about our son. He claims to have no feelings for me and resist anything having to do with us as a couple. Why doesn't he understand my love for him? Let me put it this way, that your husband or wife, one or both of you have been blinded and deceived and tempted and have fallen into sin. And so we need to know that it could have been, and let me just use the devil's advocate right now, is that there I know could be one, two, three, four, five people in this room that fell into sin and caused marriage problems. But, but God touched and changed you, and you have become the standard. And that is a praise the Lord. Because even if you were the husband or the wife that had anger issues, or you were the husband that did not know how to love your wife as Christ loved the church, if you didn't know all these different things, guess what? God can change it today. When he starts touching you, when he starts speaking to you, when he starts showing you, we have got to understand that one of the spouses had become blinded, if not both of them. And if you know my story, I became as blinded as my husband in different ways, by anger, by bitterness, by hatred of what my husband was doing, which was not the way Jesus wanted me to act, but I reacted unchristlike. So we've got to understand that. So let's go to Isaiah chapter 50, verse 10. I'm not going to mention about her son right now, but I'm going to deal with the behavior of her husband. In Isaiah 50, verse 10, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? Let him who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of of the Lord and rely on his God. We need to know right now, most important, that your spouse is blinded and deceived right now. Let's go to Isaiah 42. Let's go back just a few scriptures. Isaiah 42. In Isaiah 42, let's start with verses 5 to 9. This is what the Lord says. He who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth, all that comes out of it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you into righteousness. I will take hold of your hand, and I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind. And that is where your spouse is right now. It could be a son or a daughter, it could be a mom or dad or a brother or sister. But it says to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. See the former things that have taken place and new things I declare before they spring into being, I announce them to you. That was a scripture the Lord gave me so many, many years ago. 
in saying, I've called you, Charlene, to righteousness. I want you to live a Christ-like life. I want you to be more than the average Christian. I'm going to take hold of your hand, and I'm going to keep you, and I'll make you a covenant for the people, a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind. How do you open eyes that are blind? By God's truth. The truth will set them free. God's word will set them free. God's word will not return void, but we need to use God's word to pray for each other to be more how do I stand? I don't know what to do in standing. That was one of the questions tonight. You pray God's word. You turn your heart and life over to the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask for forgiveness for your part of your marriage. And then you say, Lord, change me. I can't change my spouse, but change me, mold me. We can utter a lot of prayers and we can pray, but God's word is sharper than a double-edged sword. And that's what we've got to do. We want to do laser surgery. And this is a scripture right here that you can pray in verse 6 and 7. A light for the Gentiles, light for my husband, my wife, my children, to see the truth and to open their eyes that are blind and to free the captives. And right now when they come home and say, I have never loved you, I want a divorce, I'm leaving, I'm packing my bag, I'm filing for divorce. All these words that they say is due to they're blinded and deceived. And that is what we're saying, to open their eyes that are blind to free captives from prison. They're a prisoner of the enemy. They're a prisoner of Satan's camp. And to release them from the dungeon, those who sit in darkness. And they do not understand that right now. They are blinded. You cannot speak to them to tell them, open up your eyes and see, because most of them are not willing to hear or have any communication with you. To do that, you have to pray for it to happen. And you have to ask God to, to break the chains, to open their eyes, to see the truth, and the truth is going to set them free. Now let's go to verse 14. On the same page, same chapter, for a long time I have kept silent, but I've been quiet and held myself back. But now, like a woman in childbirth, I cry out, I gasp and pant. I will lay waste the mountains and hills. I will dry up all their vegetation. I will turn rivers into islands and drive up the pools. I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. There is a promise for you. He will take your husband or wife that is blinded and deceived, and he says that and will lead them by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, they've never walked those paths before. But I am going to guide them. The Lord God is saying, I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. It's a promise. I will not forsake them. That's another promise. So what we're saying is when you understand where your spouse is, you will take that anger, that bitterness, 
all that rage that some of you are dealing with? And that was another question. How do I deal with my anger? By understanding they're a captive, they're a prisoner in Satan's camp. They're deceived, they're blinded, and the enemy some way, somehow, due to circumstances by you or by them or by their generational sins have all opened up and we did not know how to pray for our marriage when we went into it. So what we need to know that we've got to say, Lord, please, please go rescue my spouse. And with children, I will give you a scripture that we can pray for our children to turn the hearts in Malachi chapter 4, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. You have got to understand that we are having husbands and wives literally leave their families, and they are leaving and they're divorcing you, but they are also leaving and divorcing their families, and they're not having communication with their children. Regardless of the age, we have babies that are being born, and they're walking away. We have teenagers, and they're not communicating with them. We have little kids. We have all ages being rejected or abandoned by that parent. If you have a husband or wife that is speaking to you and having communication with your children, please thank the good Lord every day for what you do have because there is a lot of people that do not have this. And we've got to pray for those people. That's why we say pray for others because we need to restore the family. We need to restore the prodigal or the husband or wife who is away with those children. The children do not deserve to be abandoned. We need to have us be willing to pray and say, you take them, alternate, weekends, nights, whatever. We need to have two parents some way involved in their lives. Well, I don't like the other person. I understand that. I've been there, done that. But you know what? I wanted my kids to not forget and lose their father. One of the questions tonight is, I don't want the other person around my children. None of us do. None of us do. We want our children home with their father or their mother and re rebuild and restore the marriage, resurrect it. But we need to understand that the enemy is trying to destroy not only you and your spouse, but he's trying to destroy your children and for the future generations. So we need to pray that we can get our children to honor their mother and father. And let's go to there because that was one of those questions. While we're talking about husbands and wives, you need to pray for the romance to get back into your marriage. You need to pray that if they stop by, that they'll let you hug or kiss or they will want to come and hug and kiss you. You need to pray for it to happen. You need to pray for God to bring romance in your marriage. You have to pray to reignite the love, to restore and rekindle all what the enemy has taken away. You know, we need to pray direct and pacific prayers. We need to be pacific. We must must be. What do you want in your marriage? Then pray it. So in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, children, verse 1, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother while it is the first commandment with a promise 
that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Now, I'm going to say this. It did not say honor your father and mother unless they are alcoholics or drug addicts or they're not Christians. It doesn't say any of that. But it says honor your father and mother. And we need to examine our hearts and lives and say, Lord, am I honoring my own mother and father? Are we talking respectful to them? Are we being loving to our grandparents? Are we trying to teach our, our children how important grandparents are? So we need to understand we're the example to our children. But now it says very clearly here, and this is the next scripture you're going to praise the Lord about, but it says fathers or parents, do not exasperate your children because instead bring them up in the training and instruction in the Lord. You know what? If your husband or your wife is not teaching your children and they're not bringing them up in the training and instruction of the Lord, there's a scripture. If I had a husband that was not doing that, I'd be praying chapter 6, verses 1 to 4 with their names in it. Then you can pray God's word because that's his heart's desire is that the fathers and the husbands will do this. That's his heart's desire. He wants the babies and the children to be raised by mother and dad. That's the way God created it. So he created us to be fruitful, but he didn't expect the father or the mother to abandon the marriage. So we need to understand that. I have a question I was going to give to you from Facebook. Okay, good. Okay. Um, we received three along the same line. So this one is from Facebook. It says, I'm going through divorce and my husband has made a settlement offer. It doesn't make any allocations for my future and I'm struggling with this. I purposefully did not choose an aggressive attorney, but I don't know if I should find one who will fight for me. I know the Lord will fight for me and I trust him fully, but here and now before the law, I don't know if I should pursue more financial help from him for the future. Another question along the same lines, and then you can answer all of these, is if I get divorce papers, how should I handle it? Should I sign them or should I avoid signing them? And how do I protect myself with showing love to my spouse but not being taken advantage of? How do I protect my finances and not get taken advantage of? God hates divorce. In Malachi chapter 2, it says, another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because he no longer pays attention to your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hand. You ask why? It's because the Lord is acting as the witness between you and the wife of your youth because you have broken faith with her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. Has not the Lord made them one in flesh and spirit? They are his. And why one? Because he was seeking godly offspring, our dear precious children I was talking about. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. Verse 16, I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel, and I hate a man covering himself with violence as well as with his garments, says the Lord Almighty. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith. There in this United States of America especially, and I'm not certain about all the other different countries that we work with, 
but you can get divorced in the state of Florida in just about 60 days. And I want to tell you, there are some states which are awesome where they say you have to be separated for one to two years and you can ask for counseling and do all these things. We do not have that in this state. And we can get divorced and I can tell you, you can have literally a stupid argument and just being two stubborn husband and wife and not anybody apologizing or just building up the wall of silence. And you know what? We listen to love and respect. We've listened to the five love languages. We've listened to the sacred marriage. We would have women and men sitting here sobbing because they knew what they had done wrong in their marriage. And God is saying to us, I still hate divorce. And that's not God's best. That's not God's will. It's man's will, and it's man's way. I got divorced due to my, me, my own lack of knowledge, my stupidity of not knowing the word, by me not picking up the Bible and going back in the back of the Bible, looking up the concordance, and taking every one of the words of marriage and divorce and looking up all the scriptures and reading them. And I challenge you, I challenge everyone that is listening to this, get serious about reading the Bible, get serious about reading the scriptures on marriage because you will learn God's truth. God says you're married till death to us part and you're saying, but you would not want to live in my house if you saw me. You would not. Yes, my husband was unfaithful he was abusive, he was verbally abusive, he was emotionally abusive, and he was physically abusive. My kids saw it, and that's what I did. I listened to the people saying, you should not have your kids exposed to this. Well, then I had the other flip side, and then they were alone with me, and you know what? They missed their father. They loved their father. I loved their father. I did not like the sin that was going on, but we didn't know how to deal with it. But we dealt with it from the first year to the 20th year, asking and going to counselors. But you know what we didn't do? We didn't take this word, and we didn't apply it. You know what we didn't do? We didn't pray, and no one suggested we start praying together and reading the Bible together. Yes, we went to church. It's different than it was 25 years ago because we have all these videos I just mentioned to you. But we did not discuss rights from wrongs, and we didn't always have the classes that we have now. We are blessed. But I'm telling you, we sought the Lord so many times because Bob would keep repenting and then the enemy would come back in after a while. I've been there on both sides. I've been there, and I will tell you, I'd rather have my husband home and learn to pray for him. And you know what? God answers prayers. He answers small prayers. He answers big prayers. But see, I didn't know to zip my lips. And I've told you all that before, and you've got heard about it and heard about it because I had to have the last word. I was the administrator at a doctor's office and I just had to wear that hat of administration right into my home and I wouldn't listen. 
and let my husband be the head of the house. And men, you need to be the spiritual leaders. Women, you need to submit, surrender your will and way to the Lord, and then say, Lord, I want my husband to be the head. Let him be the head. God wants him to be the head. And you know what? It's not that you are going to be demeaned or anything. I can tell you the last 23 years of my life was 100 times, 200 times better, 1,000 times better than it was the first years that I did not know the word of God. We have to follow God's word. We have to learn it. We have to learn it. Divorce, that's not God's plan. And But you do need to get a lawyer. If you get served, you are now got a form. you got questionnaires that you have to fill out. You have to fill those out. And if you don't, you're going to be in contempt of court. You are not just playing, I don't want, it, want this and block it and stop it. You have to obey the court's laws. We're living under laws. So number one, get a Christian attorney. Get someone that believes in marriage restoration so that they will do everything to delay and postpone it. You want to delay and postpone your divorce as long as possible because you're praying for your spouse's heart and your heart to be transformed and that all of a sudden they're going to come to their senses like Luke 15. Remember the prodigal? All of a sudden, the prodigal comes to his senses, and he comes home repenting to his father. I don't know of too many that have represented themselves. We strongly don't suggest it because there are women that need to provide for their children. And a lot of times the men will just disappear or go away or they take all their money. And we need to provide for our children so the Lord brings them home. So we say, get an attorney. But I also say, say who you are. There are states everywhere that let you say, I am a Christian. I am praying for marriage restoration. I do not want this divorce. And you can put all these different scriptures in this document and you can put it into the courthouse where it is recorded that you do not want this uh, divorce, that you want marriage restoration. You would love marriage counseling. You would love to do whatever it takes to rebuild and restore your marriage. Let me read something from my dad from his book, Prodigals Do Come Home. And it says, some of the greatest devastation to impact a marriage comes from receiving inappropriate legal advice. If you need an attorney, ask God to lead you to one who can help not hinder the Lord's plans. A good starting place in that search might be to ask others who are standing for their marriages and can report positive experiences with specific attorneys. I feel that one of the first positive factors in our journey to remarriage was Charlene's having retained a godly attorney prior to our divorce. At no point did he place any undue pressure on her for anything. We were allowed to work out our own property settlement agreement. He sent the necessary court notices by regular mail so I wouldn't have to miss work to accept certified mail. But a word of caution, please don't feel that just because an attorney attends your church, he will be supportive of your standing for your marriage. So that's a word. They went through two attorneys. She had two attorneys because she was 
had gone to people who said, we can get him for everything. We can get his IRA. We can really take him to the cleaners. And that's not what she wanted. If you're standing for your marriage and you say, I'm standing for my marriage, you can't have one foot in both worlds and take him to court or take her to court and have behavior that is not consistent with what you're saying in your stand. So by the end, when they ended up finishing a divorce, they were sharing an attorney because it was so amicable and the attorney worked with both of them and they shared one attorney and worked everything out. So you may end up divorced. Mom ended up divorced and that's not the end of it. But like she said, sometimes you do have to go to court and protect yourself legally because of finances, because of houses, because of children. There was just recently in the Saturday testimonies about um, divorce. The woman went to court and she brought her friend pray. We pray. That is what you do. You bring your people to pray for you. And all of a sudden she saw the attorney and it was one of her men in her church and she didn't even know he was an attorney. And so she was shocked. They all went into their different rooms and talked to their attorneys and all of a sudden um, the attorney called and says together and says I need to talk to all of you together and he says this divorce is not going to happen today because I am stepping down from being your husband's attorney because I did not know you were standing and praying for marriage restoration and and because I'm a Christian I am not going to do this and because I, I believe God can heal marriages and so suddenly she thought she was going to be divorced that day and God came in and moved the mountain of circumstances. Regardless if you're divorced does not mean it's over. It does not mean it's over. I had to go through divorce to be able to say to you, okay, guess what? I was divorced before I ever started standing. I believe me, I was not standing when I got divorced. By the grace of God, God touched my heart and wanted me to treat Bob right, but I was not praying for marriage restoration. I was praying that Bob would get help and that Bob would love his children. I was very concerned about him having a relationship with our children. Did anybody think of a question that they wanted to ask? Okay. I just resent uh, got divorced and my husband got remarried. Um, what's my next step? I keep praying, I keep standing, and I keep believing that God is going to do what he promised to do. Amen. Excellent question, because God spoke to me when I started praying. He said to me, I want you to pray for Bob. I called and asked for forgiveness for my part. And when I heard this couple share their testimony, and they, she fasted and prayed for five years for her husband, and then he returned home, and he was unfaithful. He was worse than Bob because he um, was drunk. But God delivered him and set him free. God can set him free. Just never, never doubt it. Even if your kids get on alcohol or drugs, they can be set free. There's nothing that God can't do. Remember that. But when I was praying for my husband, the Lord gave me a scripture, and I kept saying, Lord, everybody says Bob has his own free will, 
And what am I going to do? I mean, you go to church, and I know you may agree with me or you may not agree with me, but you can go to church, and they can really debate you about your stand that you shouldn't be standing and give up and get on with your life, and God's got something better for you. Yes, he does. A husband or a wife that's been touched and changed by the Lord Jesus Christ, that's what he's got better for you. But it says in Second uh, Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, and this is one of the scriptures God gave me. That Man, I have prayed this so many, so many years. First, verse 22 is a very good one because we're praying that Bob, I'm going to use how I prayed it, I pray that Bob will flee the evil desires of his youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. I really wish you'd pray two, three, four times a week, Psalm 51, because Psalm 51 was where David had committed adultery with Bathsheba, and Bathsheba had a husband, Uriah, and you know what? He thought he got away with the adultery. He thought he got away with murdering Uriah. He was the king. You know, a man after God's own heart. But here he was sinning because he was tempted to see Bathsheba. Instead of turning away from her, instead of walking into his palace, he stared and he had the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and he fell into sin. He should have been out with the war, is what he should have been with his men, but he didn't. But he hid it. He hid this sin, thinking that he was going to get away with it. And you know what? He did not get away with it. Because Nathan went and told him a story a year, year and a half later. And he said, what would you do if this happened? I'm not going to go into it. But he said, well, I'd kill him or we'd do this horrible thing. He goes, well, you're the man. You're the man. And David repented. And he cried out with Psalm 51. And we've got to be praying that Psalm 51, that your husband or wife and you put all your names. I prayed both Bob and I, Bob and I, Bob and I, Bob and I, and our children. I would pray all the time because we wanted, I want all of us to have a pure heart. And that's what you want. Do you not want a pure heart? And it says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. So there it tells us, zip our lips. Don't argue. Don't try to debate because you know that they produce quarrels and the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, we must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not be resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct. Those who are opposing you right now, you must gently instruct and hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. The truth is our Lord Jesus Christ. And then they will come to their senses, the exact same scripture as in Luke 15. They will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil. This is saying they're in bondage. They're, it's a prisoner of the devil. It says it in the scripture. And it says they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. So do not be so harsh on your husband or wife because right now they're blinded, deceived, and deaf. All three. And until God opens up their ears or eyes or heart, 
they cannot see or hear or receive anything from you right now. And that's what we're praying for. God, open up their heart. Open up, you know, their eyes and ears. That scripture is so important. Flee the evil desires of their youth. What's the evil desires of their youth? They're sinning against God. The flesh has taken over. God told me I was to stand forever because I was married forever. And then God said, even if you're 80 in a rocking chair, tell Bob you're going to be there waiting. And that's what I did. I spoke it. Now, that in, in another question that we have tonight says, isn't that just laying yourself as a doormat? Isn't that telling them they can do anything and you're just going to be sitting there in that little rocking chair knitting and waiting for them to come home? No, because I was praying and fasting all the time that God would speak to him and deliver him and set him free. And God was speaking to me over and over more and more scriptures. Do not let that non-covenant marriage scare you because it's not of God. So what we need to do is we need to pray and ask God, what am I supposed to still stand? That's what I tell any person that's ever had a spouse married. Ask them what God wants you to do now. And when he speaks you a promise, stand on that promise and keep standing because God will do the rest. God hates divorce. He wants us to stand firm and stop looking at the circumstances. God is an awesome, mighty God that can knock down circumstances all the time. We just got to keep praising him and thanking him and keep giving him all the glory and honor. So non-covenant marriages, I knew that Bob was planning a wedding. I knew it was going to happen, and only by the grace of God that I didn't have to go through it because I knew that I was going to stand no matter what. Because I told Bob, and that, Lori, that's another question that a lot of people asked. Should I tell my spouse I'm standing and praying for them? Positively. You need to stake your husband or wife and say, you know what? I love you forever. I've made vows, and I, God's spoken to me, and I am not giving up on you, and I am going to be standing. Now, you have to be faithful, you know. Yeah. And you have to do it within reason. Because let me read the question she was talking about. Should I contact my husband? I've told him that I will love him no matter what, but I've never told him about my stand. There are times I feel like calling or texting him to tell him that I'm praying for him or that I love him and miss him. And you can do that. Back when they were divorced, there wasn't texting or cell phones. You know, you had the phone in your car. So you couldn't have access to your spouse as much as you can now. But we have people that will contact us and say, I sent 42 text messages yes. and he didn't reply once. Yes. That's overboard. No, you know? that's harassment. That's stalking. <laughs> that's stalking. That's, yeah. And you can get arrested. Right. And they can put restraining, restraining order. orders so you on don't, you. You don't need to do that. You can just do, you know, if the Lord brings your spouse to mind, it, it would be an encouragement. You know, my dad would say in, in this book, he mentions it a few times, where even though he was saying to her, leave me alone, I'm with somebody else, I've moved on, stop this and stop that, she would just send him a note. And it didn't say, don't forget, I'm still here and I'm anytime. It would just say, I love you and I'm praying for you. And that's it. And after the fact, they would compare journals 
after they remarried and he, and time and time again, when she would write in her journal, I sent Bob a note today in his journal, he would write how much it meant to him, even though he wasn't expressing that to her, he was heavily involved with another person. So you can contact them and tell them about your stand. What if they don't realize because they have maybe gone into adultery and they think I've messed up too much and I can't go back. And if you never verbalize to them, you know what, I do love you and we can work through this and we can move on, but you need to beware of what is harassing them and what is just being kind and expressing and, your feelings. And if your spouse is married to another woman, you're going to have trouble doing that. We understand that. But the Holy Spirit may tell you at a special time, send them a note to their office or something and just say, I just want you to know I am sorry. I am sorry for my part. I'm sorry for everything. But God has really touched and changed me, and I am praying for our marriage to be restored. I know it sounds crazy, but just know I love you and I care about you. Do something simple because we don't want the explosion, but we just ask God, am, am I supposed to do it? Should I do it? You may have already been staking your claim, but some people have been silent in their stand. Don't let Satan discourage you because you feel like you're the other woman or the other man now. Oh, very good. Because sometimes that will happen. The day they remarried, when my dad came down from Fort Pierce to take her out to lunch, surprisingly, he took her to the other woman's favorite restaurant, and he was very involved with this other woman. They were talking about marriage. He had, you know, so she's sitting at lunch with her husband at the other woman's favorite restaurant, eating and she could have felt like the other woman like she was the person sneaking around and that afternoon they ended up getting remarried so don't let satan you know whisper that in your ear that you're you're being deceitful and you're cheating they recorded a cd that i think we have back there i just recommended it to somebody today called sex and the standard that deals with the issues with intimacy and with your spouse and and when they're when you're the other person because they're involved with someone else so that is a good teaching also it's very good teaching um and ask god ask god this is where you all have to learn to talk to the lord you need a deep personal walk with the lord you have to turn your heart and life over to the lord jeremiah 33 3 it says call to me and i will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know so if you want to know what to do go to the lord there's so many scriptures that God gave me when I was standing that literally afterwards, I'm going to write a book of just nothing but my scriptures. Because when I was standing and in May, I'm crying out and I see them planning a wedding and everything. And the Lord gave me Isaiah 62, verse 4. No longer will they call you deserted or name your land desolate, but you will be called Helzebah and your land Beulah. For the Lord will take delight in you, and your land will be married. Now, I'm telling you, that was on May 2nd, 1987, at 3 p.m. in the afternoon on a Sunday. And that was just, I was crying out to the Lord and saying, what do I do? What do I do? You know, Bob's planning a wedding. What am I going to do? And the Lord was saying to me, and verse 6 says, I've posted watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourself no rest and give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. The Lord spoke to me. I must say that. God does speak. 
And the Lord spoke to me through the scriptures over and over and over. That is how I made it. That is how you're going to make it. And that's how you're going to stand firm and not let the enemy come to steal, kill, and destroy and have you become weary and sick and tired and just say, I can't do it anymore. That is a lie from the enemy that says you cannot stand we are mighty men and women of God, and we are in God's army. We can fight the fight with the Lord. You can do anything. Yes. In, in this line of communication, um, I don't have any communication with my husband, and I try to communicate with him. I didn't have any feedback. And, but, um, for example, God impre is impressing my heart. It's Christmas, his um, birthday in January, so I thought, well, you know, could I send some Christmas, New Year's Eve a card stating whatever you just said? Because I, I met with him recently, and I expressed it again, that I loved him, and it would be like. You know, him. I would definitely pray about it. Mm -hmm. I would definitely, I, you know, if you do not send birthday cards or Christmas cards because you feel you can't do it, we need to do like other people have done, and which I did and so forth, is that you save and you buy the gifts. So just in case they happen to stop by or just in case they happen to come home or just in case you get to go over and see them suddenly, then we're going to have it because as you heard recently, if you read Charlene Cares, we had a prodigal son come home to a mother. They're, they don't know what to say why they've been gone six, seven years. They don't know what to say. Of, and you do not need to say, where have you been? What took you so long? Why didn't you come home? We're not saying any of those things. We're to say, I love you. I've been forgiving you every single night, and regardless of our sins or their sins, we're forgiving them and we're celebrating. Get Luke 15 memorized, really good, that you're going to celebrate. When she didn't know what else to do, she went and got her basket of birthday and Christmas and all the holidays of different things, and he sat there and opened up all these gifts that she had saved for him for all those years. What did that show? He, she had never, never given up. She had never stopped thanking him for every single holiday. I challenge you, buy gifts for every holiday. And if you can't mail them, like I was lucky, I could send gifts with my kids for the holidays, and they could take them up there. The most he could do was throw it away, but he knew half the time it was from both the kids and I or whatever, but I was able to send something up special. But the worst they can do is throw it away. But don't worry about being rejected. Worry about the Lord watering and planting the seed of faith that you are planting. And that is that you're speaking and hoping and praying for God to do the miracle and touching them. E.M. Bounds says this, and let me read this to you. I read it this morning as one of my devotionals. Ian Bounds was a missionary, and many, many years ago, he was a wise, wise man. And it says, Hebrews 10.23, For he who promised is faithful. And it says, The possibilities of prayer are the possibilities of faith. Prayer and faith 
are Siamese twins. One heart brings them both to life. Faith is always praying. Prayer is always believing. Faith must have a tongue by which it can speak. Prayer is the tongue of faith. Faith must receive. Prayer is the hand of faith stretched out to receive. Prayer must rise and soar, and faith must give prayer the wings to fly and ascend. Prayer must have an audience with God. Faith opens the door, and an audience is given. Prayer asks, faith lays its hand on the thing asked for. How is your prayer life? I can tell you all of us fail. All of us. We all fail. But we can improve it each and every day. Lori, do you have another one or did? I do. This is another Facebook question. How do I encourage my children to respect their dad when he lives in adultery with the other woman? And I'll mention, speak on this for one second. She already gave you Ephesians 6, 1, which is about children honoring your parents. And it's a very tricky situation with your children, depending on their age, because if they're younger, they don't understand what's happening. When my parents divorced, we were seven. What was the ages? Six, 13, and 16. Okay, so I was 13. I was in junior high. And we didn't really know anything that was going on behind the scenes, except that mom and dad fought a lot. But we didn't know how deep things were going. And your kids don't need to know every sin. You need to cover your spouse's nakedness, especially if they're young, because you're tainting them with a world that they don't even understand. So I would protect your spouse and not overshare with your children, but your children still do need to respect their parent. And so we would go with my dad on the weekends and he would take us with the other woman. And of course it would always be the best outing that we never did before, but it would be, you know, we're doing the most over the top things because he was being the super parent to make up for not being with us. I, I know it would crush her when we would come home and say, Oh, we went on the Goodyear blimp ride or we, you know, did this and that. But you have to just protect your spouse to your children while encouraging them to pray for them. You have a great example because you're supposed to be training your children. And even if your children are adults, if they're not walking with the Lord, you're still their parent. You can still be training them. And as you're training them about the ways of the Lord, you're teaching them, we're praying for mommy, we're praying for daddy. And you're showing them that God does answer prayer. And you don't have to go into all the details to share that with your children, but on their age level, you can do it. And if you have adult children, I would share. They're adults. They know what's going on. They, they know sin, and they know what's happening in the world. And I would ask them to pray with you and encourage them to get on board. And to answer your question about, or to touch on about your husband being remarried, I know sometimes that can feel like a finish line. And to children, if our parents were divorced for two years, they were two and a half years, or Luz and Fabians that were divorced for 13 years, or people, I mean, we hear from people every day that have restored marriages. And I'm telling you, when that restoration happens, the journey that you're on right now is like that. But what you're doing and the example you're giving your children by standing for your marriage and by drawing a line in the sand and saying, I made a covenant, I made a commitment, and I'm not wavering, 
is going to impact your children for years to come. So I know it's painful now. I know that it's hard to explain to your child why mommy's living this way or daddy's living this way. Or some people we hear from their kids don't hear from the parent. The parent has just walked away. And you're having to be both parents right now. But you can continually explain how God is in control. God has not abandoned us. God's character through the entire Bible, he's not a God of abandonment. He's not a God that says, that problem's too big and I can't deal with it. I can't draw this person back to myself. He's a God that loves us and that goes after the one sheep that has gone astray. So you can reiterate that to your kids. Your kids may not realize what you're doing. When my mom first started standing, we all thought she was crazy because why would we want him back? Why would we want that chaos? Why would she want to live in that? And years, you know, months, it was probably almost before their restoration, it started occurring to us. You know what? We understand now because we are that home. We're that divorced home now. We're that statistic. And so your kids may not appreciate what you're doing right now, but I can tell you that when my dad was laying on his deathbed and we were there all the time coming in and out and seeing him when we wanted to, it was constantly on our mind. We could be doing this with a stepmom who says, you can't have any say in his health care, and you can come visit only certain times, but instead we had the freedom. So if your kids don't understand and appreciate what you're doing right now, just continually encourage them to respect your parent, but someday they're going to thank you. And just like Proverbs 31 says for the women, they're going to rise up and call you blessed because you're taking a stand. If your children went off the deep end and got addicted to drugs, got addicted to pornography, joined a gang, you would move heaven and earth to go after your child. And unfortunately, society tells us when our spouses do that, that it's okay to throw it away. So you're the minority, but I'm telling you, you're, what you're doing is going to make an impact for years to come. Are all of these grandchildren that are here and all eight of the grandchildren, they know what grandma and grandpa did. They know what grandma did. And my dad was very honest with all of the grandkids to tell him where he failed and where he sinned. And he has made an impact on them through the journey that they went through. So don't get discouraged and just look at how, how are we ever going to get over this? How are we ever going to recover? And how do I get my child to respect my husband or my wife when they're living this way? Because God can turn that around and make that horrible mess his message for good. I'm going to close with this one. And it's saying, I've been going through this trial standing for several years. And my husband has been verbally, emotionally, and financially extreme over some of these years. He says he doesn't love me. But he also is a husband that lives at home. She's going to have to walk the walk. And you know what? There are many, many men or women that have said, I'm, I'm, I don't love you. And they turn off the love tank and don't want to share that and for, a, for a period of time. But if you keep showing that love, if you keep radiating the love of God over and over to them, I don't care how long you have to do it, and she's done it for several years, if she will not allow the enemy to come in and push her buttons, God will win in the end. God always wins in the end. He won on the cross. He defeated Satan, and he rose again. We have got to remember we're on the winning team. And that's what we've got to understand. We walk around sometimes discouraged and defeated thinking we're losing. No, the enemy is trying to tell you that you're losing. 
But God is going to win in the end. And that's what you've got to understand. So many people will say, I'm weary, I'm tired, I don't know how long I can do this, how long. You know what? Remember, you made a marriage vow. You made a covenant. You said for better, for worse, for richer or poor, and that the best part is going to come, but you can make it alone. There are many, many uh, people that have become very successful and are uh, living completed lives with the Lord while they're waiting. I know many of our standards have gone to Israel, have gone on mission trips, have done many exciting things as strong Christians in the Lord. They're serving the Lord, and that is in the midst of while they're standing. But let me give you a scripture that the Lord gave, that I had somebody come to me and said when I was divorcing Bob, and she was a young woman, and I, 20 years to my age, and she goes, do you not know that you should not be divorcing your husband? But if you do get divorced, you really should never marry. And I, man, I was just, she was just hitting every button I, because I didn't know the word. And I said, where does that say that? 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and this is the word God gave me when I was not even praying for Bob to come home, but she was telling me not to get divorced. But she said, to the merit I give this command, verse 10, not I but the Lord, a wife must not separate from her husband, but if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And a husband must not divorce his wife. Men are not supposed to divorce their wives. Women are not supposed to separate from their husbands. And yes, there are husbands and wives that have been unfaithful. They said they have a right. They have the escape clause. And uh, their pastors tell them they have the escape clause. Well, they do, but we need to look at what the Bible says. In Matthew 19, the Pharisees were questioning, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? And Jesus answered, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. Remember that. You guys are one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Why, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? And then Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, and marries another, commits adultery. So, Regardless of separation, regardless of unfaithfulness, God says it can be changed because only what you're doing is believe in the hardness of heart. You may say to me, you do not understand how tired and how weary I am. I am exhausted. And I want to say to you, get your rest. God is not wanting you to be so fatigued and so tired that praying and reading your Bible is a burden. He wants you to put him first, but he wants you to get rest. And I know there are women and men that are having to do huge amount of responsibilities because your spouse is gone. But let me say this, and I've had so many in here that said it with questions. I'm standing 
but I'm just not praying, and I'm just not reading the Bible as much, but I'm cleaning the house. I just, I'm just waiting on the Lord to bring him home. Do not be deceived. That the devil is telling you to stop reading the Bible and stop praying. That's not the Lord saying that. The Lord wants a relationship with you all the time. If you talk to him in the car, when you talk to him when you do the dishes, talk to him 24 hours a day when you're alone. I'm telling you, have a relationship. You've been listening to Charlene Steinkamp. You can write the Steinkamps at P.O. Box 10548, Papano Beach, Florida, 33061. The Steinkamps also invite you to visit their website at rejoiceministries.org.